Taylor Walker from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GRS Giants. That's Brad Aver from the Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, you got MJ. Hope you're enjoying your week so far, and plenty of fantasy football news and information has been happening. The JLT series has been getting underway, and there is lots for us as a fantasy coach to dissect. Is really, you're just a couple of weeks away from months of preparation maybe starting to pay off maybe uh, let's talk all things fantasy footy i got a number of the panel i got rids on the line hello mate how are you hey mate how you going oh look i'm good i felt like i just caught you distracted but that's okay uh, i've also got tim in the studio hello buddy g'day and uh always the recently inked Jimmy. Hello, mate. How are you? Hello, MJ. Hello, boys. Hello, listeners. It's a pretty impressive tiger on your arm, that's for sure. She uh, goes all right. Yeah, she does go all right, just like your tigers as well. There is plenty of stuff I want to talk about uh, on this podcast episode. I want to talk ruck structures and strategies. It is the bane of existence for fantasy coaches this preseason, knowing what to do, who to put, where to put them. I want to talk about making your money count a little bit later on, especially around the type of cash cows we're going to look at selecting. And then in a few minutes' time, I want to get you guys to find me some unique options across all the formats, every single line. Find me a guy that's kind of 5% ownership or below that may be an absolute ripping starter selection for us. That's coming up right throughout this podcast episode. Right at the top of the gate, though, let's talk about the JLT Community Series. Jimmy, we'll kick it off with you. It's really the first time outside of those kind of intra-club match simulation and kind of those fake practice matches we got the other week with a couple of sides. It's really been the first time as a fantasy coach We've got to see fully televised, multi-camera angled, and maybe even visited like you did just a couple of nights ago. We're actually getting to see some of the impact of these new rule changes and impacts from a fantasy perspective. So rather than talking about specific players, what's some observations you've picked up that these new rule changes are going to bring to the game potentially and how that could impact us as fantasy coaches? Yeah, sure. Well, um, yeah, as you said, I, I went out to uh, Icon Park the other night, um, and as a Tiger fan, going uh, down there was um, not the best of experiences. That ground is about as good as their team, for one. But uh, look, one of the uh, the main things I noticed, um, and, and that seems to be following the trend over the weekend now, is that um, those kick-ins, that extra 5-10 metres that uh, defenders have got from, um, after an opposition behind, um, they are taking full advantage of that. There's been uh, hardly any, if any, short kicks to the pocket like we used to get. And, uh, yeah, all of them are going long uh, invariably out to the wing there. Uh, let's talk about that. Um, Tim, specifically for you, there are certain players that have benefited from those kind of chip-out kicks. Um, you know, those sort of 10 to 15 metres right towards the wide of the pocket. Rory Laird um, is a notable uh, Adelaide Crow premium defender, but is often seen over previous seasons picking them up. Does that give you some alarm bells in terms of, starting him at that peak price. I still think he's going to be a very good premium for us this year. But do you think we could get some potential value later on? Because he was one of those premium defenders that often benefited from that little chip kick to the corner. Yeah, well, it seemed to be a pretty comprehensive um, stat, wasn't it? That it was almost not happening, the chip into where you're saying Laird gets those little six-pointers. Yeah. And Laird's pretty much priced at his highest ever average as yeah, well. Yeah, he is. So this is the highest price you've ever had to pay for him. And now you've got a rule change that appears 
too likely affect him somewhat. So it would seem hard to start with him on that basis. Yeah. What, what about you, Rids? Are, are you concerned not just for a lead, but the lead type of defender that more often than not doesn't take the kickouts, isn't the target of the kickouts in terms of the long ball distribution, but that short chip out? Is lead the main concern for you, or are there others that we should be keeping an eye out for? I think there's definitely others. I think there's definitely others that you need to be careful about. I think there's a very popular um, GWS running defender that might be on that list. Are you referring to someone that starts with the name Zachary? Yeah, and also Lockie. Yeah. So there's two of those guys. They won't be taking many kickouts. You know, you'd be thinking the Finlaysons and the Heath Shaws. Um, Perryman. Of times gone by, yeah. yep. Cummins, if so, you to go. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, um, I just... I just think it's a little bit of a watch and see types exercise. That's all. Yeah. No, I think so. Yeah, and and I think um, on the flip side of that too, someone that's going to benefit a lot from this, and we spoke about him in the the fifty most relevant a little while ago, is is Sicily. Yeah. Um, we, there's obvious question marks about just how many games he plays, um, sure. whether that's his body or his discipline or whatever else. But uh, he's the sort of player that is going to get that kick in role more more often now than perhaps he has before. Um, and even when he doesn't, though, he, with the height and his marking ability, he's the type that will be a target 50 metres down the line as well. Were, were you concerned, Tim, uh, with some of the news when they were talking about James Sicily in the preseason about how there may even be moments where Alistair Clarkson chooses to, to interchange Sicily and Gunston in terms of forward target, defensive target, and flip them over? Does, does a conversation or a moment like that you hear in the preseason going, alarm bells, or do you just hear... This is Clarko just having a conversation. We know Sicily can play forward. He's become fantasy relevant for us as a defender. Do you get a little bit nervous when you hear that in terms of considering starting him? Or is it if you're bullish on him, you should still very much be so doing that? Oh, you you can't just completely ignore it. But I'd be pretty surprised if they changed it too much because Sicily's just been so good in that role. Um, that I mean, I think he wasn't tagged very often. Maybe Carlton was the only one who really attempted it. But he's like yeah. he's just intercepting everything and, and dominating in that format. And I think when Gunston was back, that was mostly when Ruffy was out. Was that right? Sorry, no, I'm thinking the other way around. But to, uh, he's basically yeah. I think Gunston's up forward and Tissley's back unless they start losing. Really, it, it seems a bit of a stretch that they'd want to do it for the whole season. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, what, what about for you, Riz? As you kind of watched uh, you know, a number of games across uh, this weekend, has there been any other observations uh, that you've picked up that could have a fantasy um, positive or negative impact for us as coaches? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that I've noticed. Um, the big body midfielders seem to be getting a lot more space in the centre square. Yeah. Yes. So guys like Cripps, um, I noticed the other, um, when was it, um, last night, Yao and Dangerfield. And it seems like that when they gather the ball in the centre square, there's a lot more time. Yeah. So I think that's one thing, okay. And the second thing I think, and this is just more of a gut feel than anything else, and it's only based off two games, is I think I like the defenders that are playing in the midfield rather than the defenders that are going to be like the general off halfback. Okay. I've got a sneaking suspicion guys like Ed Kerno, Mav Weller, um, even Baguli the other night, like they're all going to start playing lockdown type roles on these running halfbacks because mm-hmm. it's one-on-one football. And like, so I think they're going to target quite a few of uh, the running type defenders like 
um, maybe a Zach Williams, maybe whoever it is, Jaden Short, you know, someone like Brady that, Smith. if they're yeah. really impacting the game. So I've got a little bit, I've done a backflip. Start of the year, I was thinking guys like Brody Smith and Pierce Hanley were really, really locked, like locks at those prices. Sure. But now I'm starting to think guys like Andy McGrath, Callum Mills might be the ones that actually benefit the most. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Uh- I want to come back to, to that point in, in just a moment, but something you said really a little bit earlier um, intrigued me. You talked about these contested big ball winners uh, are dominating inside the midfield. Do they become even more so relevant? I, I suppose you could throw a Clayton Oliver into the mix um, of that. Um, maybe a Matt Crouch. He's probably not quite the bull territory uh, of some of these other players. A uh, Dustin Martin certainly fits into that category. Do these sort of big ball-winning inside midfielders become even more relevant um, because they're less likely to handball it off? Um, they're more likely to burst out of the stoppage and, and punch the ball deep inside 50 and, and get that extra clearance and that disposal by foot rather than by hand? I think there's a twofold on this, okay? So I think super coach, yes. Okay, they're able to get the clearance easier. They're able to hit the targets, become more effective, and so on and so forth. But I think in DT and AFL Fantasy, it might actually restrict the congestion, the more ball-ups and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And it might actually become less relevant to a degree because they're only getting one shot at it rather yeah. than three or four shots at it where they're making tackles, they're you know, getting handballs off, they're whatever else. Like, so it's going to be really interesting to watch as we go forward because, I mean, I don't think I could say that Paddy Cripps could play a better game than what he did the other night against Essendon. He looked good. And then I watched the DT score after the game and the Supercoach score, and I was actually surprised he only scored 115. Hmm. So I'm wondering whether it knocks those massive ceiling games for these guys down from 140 to 120 or not. So it's just, it really is a watch and see type scenario. And and the fact is, you know, only a handful of games or so, you've got another JLT community series of matches next week for us to gain more data and information. You really are basing it off just a handful or so of games you've seen. Um, Ritz makes an interesting point there, Tim. I'm keen on your thoughts. He talks about how maybe we may see some of the tackle count of these repeat stoppages being impacted. Does that hurt someone like a Devin Smith who built his scores in Dream Team and Fantasy, especially last year, so much through tackle pressure and tackle numbers? Does that start to make you concerned about starting him even maybe more so than what you might have had? Um, because we're not, again, only seeing a handful of games. It's a small bit of data to be able to base it off. Does that concern you, though, seeing the low stoppage to stoppage to stoppage? Um, does that give you some concern there or or not too much? I think you'd have to wait and see a few more sure. JLT games on it because the tackle numbers haven't been that low for preseason games, sure. even though the style might look like it. And you'd assume the tackle numbers should go up in regular season from preseason. Bit more so, heat in the game, yeah. So I don't I, know if it's dropped heaps, but um, sorry, Rids. But just to jump in, I reckon that there's more um, back players, like defenders that are tackling more, or forwards that are tackling more, when it gets into the two fifties. Yep. Yeah. So guys like Francis Watson had ten tackles last night. So I don't think he's ever had. He, he may not have ever had ten tackles before in his life. Yeah. But playing that role across half back, where it seems like they push and they cause that congestion when it gets into the 50s rather than that centre ball clearance. 
Yeah. The other thing I've noticed too is that mm. that one-on-one positioning seems to stay, for the most part, fairly constant throughout the games as well, mm-hmm. um, which means that uh, a lot of those outside players aren't getting quite as much space as they're used to. Um, and so those um, those tackle opportunities are still there because players, they're, they're not tagging each other so much, sure. but they're, they're sticking together more, I think, than we usually see in season. Is this um, because of just coaches kind of not revealing too many trade secrets and trying to sound each other out a bit? Or is it just a little bit more bruise-free football that we see in the preseason or maybe a combination of both? Oh, look, it it could be any of those things, I suppose. Yeah, and and as we've said, it's only a small sample size that we're making these observations on so far. It's one weekend of footy. Correct, and not even at this point. So by the time um, JLT is done and dusted, we might have a firmer idea on some of these things. But... At the moment, it does appear that, yeah, initially at the centre bounce, there's a lot more space for those midfielders to, to create play and to, to gain a, a quick disposal and a quick clearance. Um, but around the ground, that one-on-one yeah. pattern seems to be a little more constant than, than we might be used to. And I suppose... And the, the other thing, yeah. MJ, sorry yeah. to butt in. That's fine. The other um, thing that I've noticed is the big guys seem to be winning the clearance, okay, from the centre bounces and going directly out to a wing. Yeah. So it's almost like the winger stays in his own spot or even pushes back a little bit behind the ball so he's got a target straight away. Uh, we saw it many times with Cripps to Walsh on yeah. um, Thursday night yep. and we definitely saw it with Gaff last night yep. and I reckon we're seeing it a little bit um, in, in the, the North Melbourne game with Pollock. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Uh, it's an interesting thing and then even furthermore on top of that, um, Tim, something I'm keen on getting your take, we are seeing the, you know, that quick kick out to the ball on the wing, but then very quickly, as best obviously they can, teams trying to hit that key forward target as quickly as we can possibly kind of get it into. So sides with dominant and, and really strong forward targets aerially um, are probably licking their lips a little bit at the possibility. So certainly a, a Richmond have a number of really strong, t- you know, tall forward options. Um, a North Melbourne with someone like a Ben Brown, you know, West Coast just have these plethora of key tall. It, I know you could go through most sides and say that, but... It, does that build some extra relevance for you for some of these kind of key position forwards across some formats? Well, definitely for Supercoach. Yeah. I mean, key forwards have always been pretty good in Supercoach. Yeah. Um, so you're basically saying it's a lot more one-on-one chances for guys like Tom Lynch for Richmond. Even, sure. To, to not have to have a couple of guys hanging off him for that quick kick forward if they win the centre clearance. Mm. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, you've got to watch out for that sort of stuff. Mason Cox type. Type yeah, play. I yeah. don't know if you'd be picking Mason Cox in uh, in fantasy, but um, maybe not just salary caps. But if it's a deep, 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 deep draft, yeah. he may be on the. But board. that that sort of player is what sure. you're talking about there. The yeah. guy who benefit from the quick kick in. No, certainly agree with that. Is there any other before we move on? Any other observations that you're burning to share with the coaches panel community that you've kind of noticed? I was just going to suggest another player as well. Oh, um, yes. that, like I mentioned Mills and I mentioned McGrath, but. There's also a young kid for St Kilda called Hunter Clark. Yep. Yes. He's the other one that I'm sort of thinking of. You know, the defender, mid-price defender that's playing pure mid this year. Would someone like, um, you know, a Brandon Ellis come into that consideration for you or, or a Wayne Miller who's rumoured to be playing off the wing? Are, the, are they other options for you as well? Uh, we haven't seen them, so I don't know. So, sure. um, yeah, I'm only going off the guys that I've like, seen and seen. observed. Uh, in a practice game or whatever, playing in the centre square. So, but yeah, some guys like Hunter Clark, Andrew McGrath, Callum Mills—they're the guys that I'm going to be targeting this year. 
Yeah, I like it. All right, there you go. There are just some of the observations from the panel of what they've picked up over just a handful of games so far this weekend. There are still more games to go. Uh, this is landing uh, before, I think there's still three or four games to play out, uh, if not a couple more before the uh, time this weekend ends. So you're getting this nice and early on the weekend for you to be able to enjoy, but it just means we're not got the full analysis of the round just yet. That will come early next week. Let's talk about some unique options because Rid's thrown a few names out there. What I want to do is I want to give you a format each and then I want you to find me a player in every single line. It's going to be difficult in the rucks. I get that. that that's going to be real difficult, but I'll see how you go. But I want to give you a format each to be able to find me some players that if you're looking for a point of difference, and again, not just for the sake of it, but when you are, no, I genuinely think they're in that contention range of being amongst the top couple, then, then let's have a conversation. Uh, Tim, in a moment, we'll go to you with AFL Fantasy. We'll get your thoughts on that. Rids, you've got Super Coach and Jimmy. I guess we'll throw Dream Team now. There's some. Diff- I'm looking forward to seeing some differences too between you both um, with Dream Team and Fantasy. I know diff- same format in terms of scoring, but different in terms of ownership and the way people play the game. So uh, those will be the formats. Um, Tim, we might go first with you in AFL Fantasy. If they've got ownership over five percent, I don't want to hear about it. But who have you got for me in every single line? That could be a unique option for the coaches panel community. Okay, well, as you said, there's not too many in the ruck. Um, so one in the ruck is uh, Nankervis. Oh, Richmond's yeah. got 1.4% ownership, so pretty much nobody. So, I mean, obviously we'll talk about rucks uh, later on. Yes, we will. But, um, you know, if you were looking for someone who's got no ownership, really, if you wanted to be different, if you think he's going to improve on last year, then... You certainly be unique. Yep, no, no question mark. And and I think maybe again, haven't seen all the games this week. There's more to watch, more data. I do think that he's one of those rucks that will benefit from some of the role changes and rule changes coming through. So yeah, I, I like that selection. I wonder if he's going to pop up in some of the other teams' names. But all right, give me some other lines and who you got, man. Okay, up forward we got Toby Green has two point seven percent. In fantasy. in fantasy. Oh, yeah, because he didn't get the discount, really, did he? Yeah, that's right. But, I mean, it's basically if you think he's fully fit and right to go, because he's been sort of a 90, 95 forward the last couple of years when he's fit firing, so. Okay. Um. Anyway, just a premium or of other years that uh, isn't highly owned. I don't mind that. Yeah, all right. Okay. Yeah, all right. Midfield, uh, this is right on 5% is Yo. Elliot. Elliot Yo on 5% in fantasy. Yeah, so, yeah. So, I mean, he's... As Rich was saying, his role um, is looking pretty good from last year. And uh, I don't know. I just reckon if you liked him last year, he should still be pretty good this year. Yeah, the difference is obviously you've got to pick him as a midfielder, not as a defender for you. But you're right. We saw right throughout last year, throughout the final series this weekend, uh, just that really strong, big-bodied midfielder. Um, and you just you can't tag Shuey, Gaff, and Yo every single week. And if anything, Yo's going to be the accountable defender on the big ball, sorry, on the big midfielder sometimes, and still win plenty of the ball, picks up the ball aerially. You know, from you know a couple of years when he played off the half back. So yeah, I, I, I like that selection. Is it more a super coach pick though? Do you think, Timmy? Uh, yeah. I mean, he's not quite at the top of the tree in fantasy, but yeah, sure. He's not far off it, though. No, 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 he's, he's not. Sort of in that second rung of guys, or a guy who could be. You don't that. think he's top five, but you think if we're having a conversation of five to fifteen, he's in the mix. Yep. All right. Fair enough. All right. And then your defender, mate. Who's your unique defender that AFL fantasy coaches could be going after? Uh, I don't mind Heath Shaw this year. The oh, new kickout rules. Heater. One percent ownership. Oh. So if you think is that, that right? One percent. 
1% in fantasy. Well, just give me a minute. You keep talking. I'm just going to go make some changes. Look at that. So, I mean, look, you have to expect that he's, the kickout rule is going to benefit him sure. and, you know, that he's going to take a bunch of kickouts and kick straight on, which he seems to like doing. So, if you think that he'll bump up based on that, then um, he's certainly unique. Oh, I like that. And it was only a couple of years back that he was pretty much averaging, you know, captain territory sort of scores for us. Um, now, granted, a few years has moved on. A few players have come into that side. The game has evolved and changed. And he's certainly not gotten any younger. But, you know, yeah, we know just, he can score. Just on Heath Shaw, I mean, he did average 86 last year and we considered him having a bad year. I know. Who would so have thought? Only, well, was it there was only six guys average over 90 for in DT and in AFL fantasy. fantasy? That we've got available. Yeah, correct. So, I mean, he only has to take two kick-ins and he's over 90. Yep. Yep. Let's go to Supercoach, Rids. You got a couple of unique guys in, in the lines to talk me through? Yeah, I've got a couple. Um, the first one was the guy that I noticed on... Um, sorry, my um, missus just walked into the room, so I just said good morning. Oh, that's cute. Um, so the first, sorry, I just got distracted. Um, so the first one I noticed on the Friday night, so Shannon Hearn, amazingly, is only in 5% of teams. Wow. That's a huge, huge... And he's actually in my team currently. So I'm just... Yeah, when I saw um, his lack of ownership the other day, I I reckon he's going to be a top, what, five, six defender? Yeah. In Supercoach. Mm. He's always been Supercoach relevant because of the way that he kicks. Yep. And if the kick-in rule is going to like, benefit anyone, surely it's Shannon Hearn. Yeah, exactly right. It's the sort of weapon you wouldn't mind kicking from, from that distance all the way out. He'd clear the, the centre circle most kicks, wouldn't he, from there? Yeah, if he's yeah, getting he's the 10, 15 metres to run, yeah, yeah. He, he's... I, we haven't. We need to see more games across the next couple of weeks as well. But yep. while we have often seen the kick out go wider, mm. he's the one bloke that you'd probably think would go, stuff it, I'm going for the centre square. Mm-hmm. You know, just given that ability. I, I love that selection. It, do people rids discount how good he is as a footballer? Because West Coast were certainly phenomenal last year, ended up winning the premiership. But do people discount him just as not being one of those sexy super coach names? And so he slides under the radar too much? I'd hope not, because Supercoach is one of those games where, like, the unfashionable guy actually goes all right. Mm. So, I mean, just look at our Luke Ryan type, you know, for Fremantle. He goes a lot better in Supercoach than what he does because of being the intercept marker yeah. and so on and so forth. So, yeah, Shannon Hearn, I, I don't understand the lack of ownership there. Uh-huh. Um, he's only 523000 as well. So, it just, yeah. There's some value in that. Well, I think he's an absolute gun, and he's staring at, you know, a 9,500 average this year with those kick-in rules. Yeah, I like that call, man. Uh, Let's head into your midfield. Is there a unique option that we could be considering for Supercoach? Yeah, so this one actually really, really surprised me. Like, when you said 5% of teams, I don't have the point something. Sure. So he's actually listed as 5% of teams. Okay. But I rate him as one of the best super coach midfielders going around in Marcus Bontempelli. Yeah, that's so low. he's actually in five percent of teams. He's he's reasonably valued at five hundred and sixty thousand, and the Bulldogs have got a nice easy start draw. On top of that, Bontempelli's apparently, and we know we hear this everywhere, had a rip in preseason. So and we did see him in the um, AFLX games. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the guy's, you know, has no injuries. So, 
yeah, so he's he's my midfielder for you. Yeah, I, I like that selection. And you're right, when you talk about the Bulldogs and how their year starts, um, it's considerably, uh, compared to other teams, a, a little bit easier. Marvel Stadium against the Swans. Uh, they take on the the Hawks in round two. Gold Coast, round three. Gets a little bit more difficult. Round four against the Magpies. Round five, Carlton. Round six, Fremantle. And then, yeah, probably hits a wall a little bit at round seven again when, yeah, when they play again. Richmond. Again, you've got to look at the tagging options in those teams. Correct. Uh, take away Hewitt in Sydney, and I don't think there's many taggers, you know, in the first eight or nine games of the season. Well, well no. You know, Howe might be the run-with player again for Hawthorne um, that they may choose to go, but he's certainly not um, done the jobs that others have done. Um, Tuke Miller, there is no way he could run around with Marcus Bonsampelli. Collingwood don't choose to really tag outside of Levi Greenwood. Um, and then and Carlton, I don't even know. I don't even know if Greenwood's best 22 at this stage. Yeah, probably so, not. Yeah, and that's that'll be so, an interesting point. Carlton, their best tag is now playing as a defensive forward in Ed Kerno and Fremantle. You're starting to look at Banfield. So, yeah, outside of a Hewitt, who's certainly probably got the number of all the taggers that teams have through there, it, it, that is really the only concern for coaches when it comes to the bond. Okay, so let's go through the rucks. This one is a special, okay? Ooh. So lock this guy in as your R2. I know we're going to be talking later on about rocks and everything else, but these new rules should actually help a dinosaur, correct? Well, yes, that should help. Yeah, and like the Gold Coast went out and got guys like Miles and, you know, Holland Smith and so on and so forth, you know, inside-type midfielders. Yeah. They've got Tuke Miller. They've got guys floating through there. So I reckon Jared Witt, is an absolute beauty to start with this year. 3% of teams at the moment. And they start off with St Kilda, who has no ruck. I reckon I could score 100 against oh. them in the ruck. Oh. Fremantle, okay, who won't, who won't have Sandy. Cause nope. The big calves are gone. The Bulldogs, I mean, it's English, I suppose, yeah. or, you know, the full back, full forward ruck in Trengo. Yeah. And Carlton... And, I mean, we saw what happened on like through the week with Zach Clark and Carlton. So, I mean, they start off, I'm pretty sure, at home for the first couple of games. Yeah, they, okay. they get their fair share of home games early on this year after barely not getting one in the first two months last year. They uh, start the games uh, this year a lot more at home. He's 480000 as well. So, I reckon he's an absolute lock. Ooh. Okay, we, I want to talk about him in about five minutes time when we talk about our rucks. What's your Only forward? for Supercoach. Only for okay. Supercoach, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got other ideas with other colleagues. Oh, I look so. forward to that. Uh, let's talk about your unique forward you got for me. Well, this one surprised me as well. Because, like, if you talk about... We actually spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, Rodio, on that um, unlucky to miss. And we're talking oh, yes. about a guy called Petrarca. Yeah. Now... If I said to you, who's the best young forward listed in the forwards, he's probably in the conversation every time. But yeah. for some reason, we just, no one's picking him. Mm. Melbourne's in the best, you know, say top four teams for the comp. Sure. Petrarca's best 22, clearly. Yes. Clearly. And he's got a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of improvement in him. And I mean, if he goes, actually moves into the midfield, he could actually average like 100, I reckon. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'm just staggered that he's only in like, I think it was 2% of teams or something. Yeah, it's pretty and 
Okay, so another one, and this should make the Carlton supporters happy. I don't hate you personally. I just hate the club. Okay? <laughs> just to be clear. I'm sure there's some nice Carlton supporters Rain Man. There. Rain Man. He, he's well, a member of the panel. There Rob's a lovely guy, there, Radio. So um, I don't hate you, Rob. I just hate the team you support. <laughs> radio. Yeah. Play on. Petresky Seaton, I reckon, is in for a good year. And I reckon he's definitely super coach relevant this year. I like that. Just a little he's sneaky in. one. Zero percent of teams. Nobody's got him. There you go. Zero. Absolutely zero. It could be like point one or point two, but there might be a couple of Carlton supporters that have started him. He's only three hundred and sixty five thousand around that ballpark. But I reckon he's definitely got ninety average in him in Supercoach. I do not mind that selection. Um what about Charlie? Yeah, no. He's under five percent of teams in Supercoach. Yeah, no, I don't like key position players. Okay. Even in Unless your name's Tom Lynch. All right. Okay, here we go. There <laughs> it comes out. All right. Thank you, man. Like some of your suggestions. Uh, let's throw to you, Jimmy. We're talking dream team. Yep. Who have you unique options you got for me, mate? Okay, well, I'll start in the forward line, and I've got Tom Lynch there. Oh! <laughs> He's um look he's we, we again we spoke about him in the the fifty most relevant. You um, spoke a, about him. I listened. Uh well that's that's fair. Um there's there's a whole article there that that you wrote. I'll remind you yeah, about uh, about him and and why he's relevant uh, if he gets up for round one. And I think um th- there is a little bit of a question mark on that apparently yeah. um, whether he's going to be right or not. But uh, from what I understand of Lynch, um, he's played in front of an average home crowd of about 12,000 people, and I think his average uh, losing margin is about 80 points over his career. So I dare say he'll be looking forward to playing Carlton in front of 100,000 yeah, uh, in a couple that. of Thursday nights' time. Yep. Um, he's currently in 2% of teams, nice. and uh, he's at, yeah, 479,000 there. So I don't mind that. Um, the other one, just quickly, is a forward that I really like a look of this year at the minute, just based on... Uh, what North have done in terms of the players they've mm-hmm. gone and recruited and what appears to be the sort of gameplay they're going for is Jack Zebel, who's in 1% of teams in Dream Team at the moment. Okay, uh, He's uh, about uh, 592,000, if I can read my own writing there. And uh, I wouldn't be too surprised if that lifts uh, a little bit from the 83 average that he had last year. So, so he not... spent a lot of time forward last year, some he new did. midfield inclusions. Are you expect him to jump back into the mid at all? or is uh, based... I don't think he'll be predominantly a midfielder. Sure. He's shown that he's, he is dangerous as a forward. Yes, he is. Um, but he will still get a few clearance uh, opportunities, okay. I would have thought. And um, and yeah, that uh, and if he is getting that quick ball coming in from those running outside mids that uh, North have gone and loaded up on yep. this year, um, there is some opportunity there for him to get a, a few goals on the board All as right. well. So I don't mind things. that as a, a sneaky unique. All right. uh, working back up the lines then, um, as far as my ruck goes, and um, I know he just got concussed uh, in the in that uh, St Kilda North game today, but. Um, Lewis Pierce is one that uh, I had penciled in there. As soon as Longer mm-hmm. went down, uh, he appears to be the heir apparent. Um, he's at uh, 278,000 at the moment. He only averaged 56 last year, and the opportunities he's got, he wasn't the sole ruck for all of those games. Um, but if he is the sole ruck coming into the first few rounds, mm-hmm. if he does get that opportunity. Um, I don't expect him to score hundreds. Sure. He should score at least a fair bit more than what he's got. Uh, in terms of his price point and, and could make a nice little stepping stone while we work out which is the premium ruck we want to chase. So All right, okay. I don't mind him as a, a starting mid-price option there. Sure. In the midfield with uh, 
again, only 1% ownership is a guy that went at 105 last year and has shown he's got a, a very nice ceiling about him when he gets up and going, and that's Lockie Hunter. Ooh, that was yeah. not where I thought you were going, all right. Yeah, so I'm a, a big fan of his. He's uh, only at about, um, he's priced at that 105 mark, yep. but um, yeah, if you think he's got a little bit in him to go a little higher, um, I don't mind that as a, a nice, easy selection um, just to bank away and not worry too much about him for a while. It's a bit difficult for coaches to go there because I, I mm. agree. I think, but we get the value of people like Sloan, Merritt, yeah. Dusty. I don't want to go down to the dwellings of Rockcliffe, but the, you know, guys that have gone a hundred plus before, correct? Um, that are 10, 15, 20 points under. Mm. It feels hard to go for a guy at one hundred and five. It does um, that but- hasn't done one ten before. That's it. And and that's sort of what you'd be wanting from him yeah. if you were picking him. Uh, but then there are a lot of those other guys that are priced a little bit higher than him. And if you're looking at um, McRae versus Hunter, for sure. argument's sake, um, I don't think it's an unreasonable argument to suggest that that gap is going to be a lot smaller at this time next year than it is now. So that's uh, sort of what I'd be looking at there if you're, like game, if you're game enough to go with it. I like the uniqueness um, of it. I'm a big fan. The one that I really love, though, and I've had him in my team all preseason, is uh, Jager O'Meara. There he is. There he is. Um, 684K, he's priced at 96, so he's um, you know, a solid 70-odd grand cheaper mm-hmm. than a Lockie Hunter and a lot uh, less than most of the other premium mids we're looking at. Yep. Um, he's trending upwards uh, mm. in every facet of his Dream Team scoring, and he's still only in 3% of teams. Ooh, so nice. I'm very, very keen on that one. Uh, and down in the back line, uh, another one who's currently in 0% of teams, according to Dream Team. Um, there might be a Dogs fan out there that's got him, but um, that's Bailey Williams. Hey, there we go. He averaged 80 last year, or 79.9. We'll, re- we'll give him a little bit of rounding. Yep. Um, he's uh, was quoted uh, in an article on the AFL website last week saying he spent all preseason training only with the midfield group rather than the back line. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's scoring over his career. He's coming into with, uh, what is it, his fourth season now. Mm. Um, first year he went at 50, second year he went at 62, and last year he went at 80. So... It's trending in a very nice little direction there for you, the young, uh, the young bloke, and I don't mind that as an option. There's a, a very unique pick around um, some of the others. Certainly is. That's very, mm. very true. There you go. And there. I'll just sneak another Tiger oh, in there while we're at it. Uh, Jaden Short is at fi- uh, 540. Um, you and want, he's a you want very... to talk about Asprey while we're here too? Or? No, I've got no real interest. I suppose you could look at him on Supercoach, <laughs> couldn't you? But <laughs> no, um, just Jaden Short for uh, Dream Team. Um, priced at 76 and he should get a, a, a fair share of those kicking duties as well if you're going down that path with your thinking. So I'm, uh, I'm bullish on his uh, potential as well. Just oh, yes, Jay? Oh, yes, everyone's jumping in. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Just about a couple of Tigers. Brandon Ellis is only in 1% of teams for DT. Look, I, I've got him written down here as well. I just didn't want to push my luck too much. And I just wanted to throw Hooley up as well as 1%. You got any Tigers you want to mention for me, Tim, while you're there? Or you got a unique player? No, no. We'll let it go. <laughs> okay. Well, well, I already, I'll, already I'll mentioned Nick Kervis. Oh, <laughs> you've done well, the Tiger quota. <laughs> Trent Cotchin's only priced at 80. Oh, here we go. Anybody want to talk about Butler? No? Going once? Okay, fine. Fair enough. All right, there you go. That is our quick thoughts of some unique Tigers you could be looking to bring into your dream team site. Uh, We want to talk uh, some cash generation in just a few minutes before we get there. Uh, Don't forget, you can keep in touch with the Coaches Panel via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you're loving the podcast, uh, whether it be via Spotify or iTunes, certainly appreciate every rating and review you deliver. Uh, You can go and do that right now, even while you're listening to this podcast episode. 
one of the big dilemmas for fantasy coaches of Supercoach, Dream Team, and AFL Fantasy this year is what the heck you're doing your ruck lines. Because as we alluded at right at the start of the podcast, you can build a case. How much water it holds is a different story, but you can kind of build a case that pretty much every ruckman has some level of question mark about them. That question mark could be injury um, during the preseason. Uh, you could probably put someone like a Sanderlands or a Brody Grundy into that conversation. Then the next kind of group are guys that are now ruck sharing their role and the concern about how that does or doesn't impact their scoring. Throw in probably Max Gorn, Braden Pruce, uh, Geelong. They're sharing it with everybody. They don't know who their ruckman is at the moment. So, so there's kind of the ruck shares. And then there's the kind of the other category, which is sole ruckman. There's a clear relief option in the side, but we're not sure whether or not they're going to score enough to be in that top bunch of ruckmen, a la Source Jacobs, you could probably throw into that mix. Maybe a Nankervis, you could throw into that mix. Maybe a Stefan Martin, a Sinclair. Uh, These are the sort of players. Is this the line, um, an open question for the panel, is this the line that if you nail it at the start of the year or conversely screw it up, is this the two selections you make at the starting squad? Is this going to make or break your season? No. No, I don't think so either. There's always time to fix it. Um, and if you do get it wrong at the start, there's there's no reason why you can't go and change that, I think. Uh, if you start with, for argument's sake, Gundy sure. and Grawn, yeah. and, and that doesn't work for whatever reason, um, you can downgrade either one of those to any ruck you like yeah. um, you know, coming into the, the round three mark, and, and you've got plenty of cash left over. So yeah, I don't yeah. think that's an unsalvageable position by sure. any stretch. You said no pretty quickly in there, Rids, too. Is there something you'd want to add to the mix of that? I think it's only got two positions on field, so you're only looking at 220 points. So even if you choose, say, a Grundy and he goes at 110, yep. okay, and you choose a mid-pricer, I mean, what's the worst that could happen, a 40 or a 50? Mm. So it's only like 150. Like, you know, even with Grundy and Gorn going well, there's 220, so that's only 50, 60 points. And the money spent elsewhere, you know, it's easy to make that up. Yeah. No, it's certainly the the variables of of point generation are are kind of there. Tim, you got anything that you've kind of been thinking about what coaches are and aren't going to do with that ruck division and how that's going to impact their season? In terms of what coaches are thinking of, I think coaches have had a million ideas and uh, no one's real happy with it. Um, But especially with the JLT, you got Lewis Pierce concussed, longer injured. I mean, whether or not you're going to pick those guys anyway, Jimmy was. So there's obviously change to come. I know one thing that uh, a couple of people have mentioned is you might even start with Westhoff mm. in there. I mean, you'd have to want to have Westhoff in your completed team as a forward. But sure. Some people are just thinking, look, if I can't pick who I want as the second ruck, you could put Westhoff as a second ruck and then trade him into the forward line later and choose your second ruck, you know, once you know who it's going to be. Yeah, well, so, uh, yep, sorry, you go, Rids, and then I'll jump just in. Just with Westhoff, yeah, just with Westhoff, isn't he one of the guys that has the most question marks with the new rules? In terms of? Well, he can't start behind the ball unless he's playing one-on-one. And, like, I suppose he could play on a wing and push back. But then that's leaving a loose man on the wing for the opposition. Like, there's a lot of um, question marks around Westhoff. Does he play deep forward? Does with Dixon out early on? Is there, like, with Lysette and Ryder playing? Like, I suppose Ryder might be slightly injured at the moment. Mm. But, I mean... 
there's a lot of question marks, isn't there? I think Hinckley said uh, last week or the week before, just someone asked him on it and he said he expects him to split his time between midfield and forward. Um, but again, I guess it depends who's in the team on any given week. Yeah, so, I mean, and what does that mean, midfield? Does that mean wing? Does that mean, you know, he won't be second ruck if yeah. Ryder and Lysette are playing. Correct. So does that mean he's going to play a different role on the ball or... You know, there's just so many question marks around this guy at the moment that, you know, you're paying, like, his career-best average. It's a lot of coin, like, for a lot of uncertainty. And, I mean, what is he, 32, something like that? Yeah, he's 75, yeah. Yes. Like, um, no, his age, I mean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, just, yeah I, I wasn't suggesting what his future average is going to be. No, you're right. There, there, there are concerns. I know the argument is because of that dual position, that flexibility. I get that. But I, I personally would rather... Sword. Yeah, I, I'd probably personally rather lean to upgrading to him throughout the year and then going... Because that DPP link is gold if you can open that opportunity up. But paying for him at a price that he's never gone before, if he was 24 25 probably take the risk knowing what's coming to the side yeah, and his age, a, I probably wouldn't. It's a massive risk, isn't it? Like, if you've got to hold someone, you know, and let's be honest, Westhoff's had his fair share of 30s, you know, yes, he in has. his time. Like, So, I mean, you're going to hold someone that has the potential to score a 30 or 40 at that price tag in your best lineup with your forward, whereas other teams, you know, have got, like, say, six guys going at ninety ninety five, you know, or better. Yeah. Well, that's that's a massive, massive gap, especially late in the season. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, so is what are we suggesting here now? Everyone needs to make up their own minds and their own decisions about the structure that feels right for them. Every format needs a different approach as well with different scoring, how many trades a week you get, the limited amount of trades you get. So I understand it's a really dangerous thing to say a one-size-fits-all for every format. Is anyone here in the panel suggesting or advocating or even doing themselves a set and forget, lock who they believe are the best two premiums for the year, which across the formats, historically, you'd probably say is the double Gs of Grundy and Gorn, rightly or not. Is anyone advocating for a set and forget rucks in, in that pure sense? Or are you thinking maybe it's best hedge your bets a little bit with a, you know, kind of a mid-priced option or a cash cow kind of option? And, and what are you guys kind of thinking? Yeah, look, I wouldn't talk anyone out of a um, out of starting the two premiums, and sure. whether that is uh, Gorn and Grundy in a, a dream team format, or whether you're looking at Goldstein as one of those in Supercoach, sure. or whoever Wits, it is. Yeah, yes. Wits, as uh, Rid suggested before, yeah, um, perfectly valid. I wouldn't suggest anyone take that out um, at sure. this point if that's what you've been thinking about all along. Um, I think at at this stage, you know, we're we're only at the very start of the JLT. I think um, one of the most important things we need to do is try and keep an open mind about some of these players. And if um, if someone does put their hand up, um, be it uh, Pierce next week if sure. he uh, manages to recover and get some game time, or whether it's English or um, you know if, um, you know Riley O'Brien happens to be playing ahead of Jacobs, whoever it's going to be. Yeah. If that mid pricer does present themselves, fantastic. You can have a look at that. If you're not confident in that, or if you are at this point, already confident in the premium mm-hmm. ruck. Um, I certainly wouldn't be talking you out of it at this stage. All right, fair enough. Rids, any last thoughts on rucks before we move on? I'd be talking people out of Gorn and Grundy. You would be? Well, I just think there's enough doubt, isn't there? Like, yeah. Grundy's, Grundy's had enough... He's had a toe injury for the last few weeks. Correct. 
And gone, like, I think his ceiling's gone with Proust in the team if they're sharing that ruck load. Yeah. So I just don't see how a ruck can score 130 if he's sitting in the forward line for 40% of the game. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Uh, t- t- and so sorry. with Grundy, though, just just a point on yeah. Grundy, I'm happy to start one of them, okay, Yeah. and then someone else. I would never talk anyone out of that, but I would talk out of a combo deal. Like, yeah. I just don't see any sense in paying... What is it? One point six million or something across some of the format ballpark. Yeah, one point seven. Like, I mean, that's nuts. That's that's huge money. Like, yeah, I just couldn't do it. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so, Tim, does that where maybe some coaches are, are kind of looking for the the hedge your bet strategy of rucks where they're getting the English and the Pierce kind of those sort of mid price range guys maybe cruises to the limits of that in an AFL fantasy certainly is that where that kind of structure and strategy has some merits where you go look I've got question marks about all these big guys how about I just pick a couple of mid range guys and go look by round six it should be pretty clear who are the right ones to get has that strategy got some merit or again you think there's too much risk in that well it depends on the guys I mean um Everyone has got some sort of question marks. So if you're picking two mid prices with question marks, it's um it's going to be hard to get them both up to a premium quickly if you need to get rid of them both. Correct. So, I mean, like you go through them. So Mumford is the one that a lot of people would have looked at, but obviously he's out for two weeks. Yep. So is there any way you can actually navigate around that? And you'd need your R3 to play. Sure. Which doesn't currently look like we've got the be. one well, people were hoping <laughs> for. Was, I reckon there is. I think there is too. But the one people were banking on was, was Darcy for, and he yeah. certainly didn't put his best foot forward last night. He's rubbish. Absolutely oh, rubbish. I was trying to be no, positive. No, no. no, I am. I've been, he wouldn't even make Ruck 3 for Geelong oh. like on that performance. Yeah, like, no, it wasn't a great night. But Archie Smith's the one. Yeah. Steph Martin started this um, season slow. Fagan's put the pressure on Steph Martin. Yeah that it's going to be Archie Smith or Steph Martin in that number one ruck. Yep. And the other guy goes to the reserve. Yeah. It's plain and simple. He's already said he's locked in Oscar McKerney up forward. Yeah. So he's put down the gauntlet. I see Archie Smith's been named as the first ruck this week yep. in the practice games. Steph and Martin's actually fit. So, I mean, the thing is, who's going to go? Like, So if he starts um, Archie Smith in round one, okay, he has to give him two games, yeah, surely. He wouldn't give him one game and then let him go. So he might be the one that covers for Shane Mumford. Yeah, no, exactly right. And then all it does take is a, an injury to a Bell Chambers or a, a Sam Jacobs, and there is a clear, really cheap option waiting in the wings for us. So I, I think there are some ones there, and there are plenty of options. My encouragement would be over the next week or two, try out some different structures and strategies with your rucks. See what the impact that has on your actual side. Maybe it opens up some new opportunities you hadn't considered and, and improves your side. You're right, though. Whatever you do, you've got to have some backup plans. I know Jimmy's big talking about that throughout the preseason of lock your structure and strategy away, no problem. But if, for whatever reason, that one player goes down, you may have seen it with Billy Longer, Taylor Adams even over the week, um, these one, this one player can totally impact your strategy and structure with just one injury. So it's certainly something to kind of consider. Just, just one last thing about Supercoach mm. and the rucks. Um, I would not... I'm not suggesting in any way to hold a Wits or whoever for the year instead of getting a Gorn. Sure. Okay? 
What I'm suggesting is starting with someone who's clearly underpriced, whether that's a Sam Jacobs, whether that's whoever it is, a Wits, whoever, I don't care what yeah. the name is. Start with that guy, ride through the first four games. So if they have a good four games, that means two price drops for Gorn. You see what impact Proust has. By that stage, Proust might even be out of the team. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, who so knows? who knows what's going to happen? But then what happens is you only need to find 300000 to go to Gorn straight away after round four. Yeah, you're not having to find 800000 to get the two. Correct. And hopefully, Wits can limit the damage of that. Mate, the, first, the one thing in Supercoach that we need to pay attention to, okay, and don't shortchange yourself by starting guys that are there or thereabouts. There was 500 points difference for the season between the second ruck and the third ruck. Yeah, you, you want to get the big boys. Supercoach. 500 points. For any reason, if Gordon Grundy are looking like matching last year, you have to get those two. I think you're right. Mm. I think you're very, very right. Before we wrap up this episode, I, I want to talk about cash cows. Because um, there, one thing I know I've talked about a fair bit over the 50 most relevant with a number of you when different cash cows have popped up is how important job security is and that if there's no point having a cash cow in your side if they're not playing. So you want a guy that's got some relatively strong job security. Now, all these kind of cheaper end players have questionable security more often than not. But there are some players that we're seeing emerge through this preseason and now through the JLT games that look like they're going to be given a red-hot crack to start the year. But sometimes, Rids, there can be this thought process, right or wrong, but there's a thought process that these top-end first-year draftees, such as Walsh, Rankin, I suppose you could throw a Bailey Smith if you wanted to do it. I know there's some historical names you can go there. I'll go and get, let's just say Sam Walsh. Let's just call a spade a spade. He's about 100000 more than probably a bottom price midfielder. Let's use Constable as, a, as an illustration point. Is that a good use of our limited salary cap to go and get a guy like a Sam Walsh who we know is best 22? We know he's an absolute future star of the competition and probably in Carlton's best five right now. And that's more of a statement about how good he is, not a slide at Carlton. It's a little bit of both. It is a little bit of both. I was trying to be positive again. Um, But is that worth spending the extra 100,000 rids when we we may get a guy who's within a five-point range but 100000 cheaper. Is it worth the investment there? Okay, first things first. Every time I talk about Carlton, I need to put this out there, okay? Again, you've already done it twice this episode. No, no, no. You don't I'm like not, Carlton. I, I'm, I'm not bagging the performances or the players or people who go for Carlton. I just hate the club. <laughs> Rodeo. To be clear. That's all. I don't hate Sam Walsh. No one... like He's a people, jet. People actually think, okay, because I say to people... Oh, look, um, how many times do we make the same mistakes with these premium rookies in regards to cash generation? They think that it means that I hate Sam Walsh, that I've written in death letters or something. No, I have not done that. I love the kid. I traded to get the kid into keeper leagues this year. Okay? I think he's the best mid-player drafted since Josh Kelly. And I think he could actually be better than Josh Kelly. So I don't hate the kid. But we're talking about salary cap formats here, okay? And we're talking about cash generation. That's why we go these guys. I've seen some of the craziest things ever. You'd think he's already won the Brownlow, he's won the Norm Smith, and he's won the Rising Star after one JLT game. 
Right. There's it's some love for nuts. it. Yeah. it and it's not nuts. like he was playing a quality midfield either. Oh, look, and I mean, and again, Carlton played well. That was great. Happy days. Well done, Carlton, you know. They played good football. I actually enjoyed the game. That's one of the first games that, you know, the Navy Blue have been in for about 10 years that I've enjoyed watching. But Essendon were underdone big time. I think that's a fair assessment. Yes. And yeah. I think the fair assessment, okay, is didn't Carlton only win by 10 points? So let's just cool our jets a little bit. There was no tagging happening. There was no, you know, who knows what was happening. But Devin Smith, like, had a partially torn biceps, what, three weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Zach Merrick was in a moon boot for a month, came out of it a few days ago. Dan heard like, I mean, he's gone from not doing anything to having that. I don't know what's to go with Joe Dan heard Like, it doesn't seem like he could do contest, like contact training for Essendon, but... He could play match simulations and practice games. So he was clearly underdone, you know? So let's just cool our jets a little bit. Cool, breathe, move on. So, so Jimmy... Let's talk about the topic. I know you wrote about and you got to see Sammy firsthand. Yeah. There is, there is a case to be made, though, for why you'd spend that extra little bit of cash to get him. Because yeah. if someone said if Sammy Walsh had two or three tons in the first eight rounds of the year, part of me would go, yeah, I, 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 I can see why you're doing that. Yeah. So there is a case for it. We're not trying to talk anyone out of starting Sam Walsh no. at all. It's more just going, let's have a conversation about what we do with him. Yeah, exactly right. And and as we'd said, though, a lot of these premium price rookies don't end up actually delivering for us. But if any of them's going to, you'd think he'd be a, a candidate to have that potential to do it. Sure. And whether that's because he'll, he'll average perhaps around that 65, 75, maybe 80 if we're very, 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 very lucky. Yeah. Um, but that will only be because he scored 340s and maybe a 95 in that journey to boost that average up. Yeah. It's what you're looking at when, you, when you're looking at Sam Walsh. It's not even so much, I think, a, a Sam Walsh versus a Constable thing because yeah. I think Constable at this point, based on what we've seen so far, is probably picking himself anyway. It's sure. Sam Walsh versus the last, you know, the last rookie that you'd be picking otherwise. If yeah. It's not him. And so that 100K then, is that worthwhile? Maybe it is for that job security and the what we hope the points are going to be. Yeah. Um, but I think you really do need to look at where else you could be spending that money. And if there are enough mid-rookies, depending yeah. on your structure, you might need sure. four of them. You might need seven. Um, if there are enough that you can fill your team and feel confident that each of them are going to play for the first month mm-hmm. or so of footy and each of them are going to average that sort of 55 plus that you need from a cow yep. to get any sort of cash generation, um, then happy days. If you don't feel confident with those, then Sam Walsh is, is the obvious target to fill that gap yeah. if you're prepared to spend the money to do it. See, yeah. that, Jimmy's 100% correct. So what you need, okay, is you need... Sam Walsh to be averaging 17 or 18 points more a game than, say, a constable, okay, to generate the same cash. Yes. Mm. But that's not including the 100000 you've already spent on him. Yeah. So if that 100000 okay, gets you, say, to, you know, let's just say hypothetically, um, you know, um, someone who's not quite a premium to a total premium and picks you up 20 points a game, then... I mean, and you're generating the same rough cash, you know, from that lower end part, like rookie, that happy day. Yeah. But again, people have to look at the rookies as a whole picture for your team. Where are they? Where should they be on? Where they shouldn't be on? You know, who's on your bench that might be scoring well and so on and so forth. Because we've already seen guys, okay, that were very popular. Um, Brett Bewley was one. 
Ben Kavara was another, okay, who yeah. haven't actually been named in JLT1. We've also seen guys that have gone out there and, you know, haven't really done much that we were actually banking on. Gibbons had a role which was not really friendly, you know, and we were banking on him being actually on the field, you know, in the midfields, yeah. a lot of us were. So you've got to be careful. But when it comes to pure cash generation, the guys that are cheaper, who can average very similar to the peak guys, often are the best way to go because a 30 or a 40 won't stop them. They won't bottleneck that cash generation, you know, like the guys. And we've seen it, Florence, Bowles. We've seen it time and time again, you know. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, you look at, you know, some of the number one picks, you know, to kind of start wrapping up the episode this week. You look at some of the, the number one picks over the past eight or nine years that you'd say are classifiers in that midfield territory. So taking the key position players out. Cam Rayner averaged 58 in Dream Team last year, 60 in Supercoach. Andy McGrath averaged 70 across all formats, a previous number one. Uh, Lockie Whitfield averaged low 70s in 2013 as the number one pick, and even heading right back to 2010. It was a 76 in Dream Team and Fantasy for David Swallow and a 79 in Supercoach. Uh, solid enough numbers, but again, you probably may get a midfielder, potentially. You may get a midfielder that could do very similar to what Walsh could at a cheaper price. That's well, a it. few years ago, okay, and I know this is just a, like an absolute, like once in a lifetime. Sure. We had Toby Green versus Steve Coniglio. Um, Cogs went out and, you know, did very well as the second draft guy, but Green was the one who you should have gone because he averaged 86 for the year. Yeah. And I mean, it's just one of those things. Like, so you've got to be flexible. You've got to be, you know, on the game. You've got to generate that cash. But you've also got to have that team balance as well. No, it certainly is very, very true. And it's worth and, considering, yes. MJ, please, I'm not telling people to remove Walsh. No, no one if said that. If he fits no. your structure and he fits your team and you're happy with him and he makes you sleep at night, pick him, for God's sake. Yeah, absolutely. You pick the players you want to pick in your side. You should never, ever let somebody talk you out of somebody so easily. If you can get talked out of a player within two minutes, you probably weren't convinced on him. That would but, be all I'd say. Don't lock in a Sam Walsh, okay, without looking at all the options around that price tag. Correct. Yeah. Very but that's correct. it, especially at this stage of the JRT where yeah. he's, he's only played one game. Yes. And most of the rookies correct. we want to look at haven't played at all. Yeah. Um, you know what? James Cousins in Dream Team is only 30000 more than what Walsh is or whatever it is. He's got a pure mid-roll all pre-season with Hawthorne. Why would you lock in Sam Walsh without actually looking at James Cousins? Who's the one that's most likely to be tagged out of those two? Walshy. Well, it's only common sense at the end of the day, you know. Yeah, exactly right. Hey, man, appreciate your thoughts on this episode today, man. Yeah, too easy. Uh, Jimmy, uh, great to have you in as always. Pleasure. Thank you. And uh, thanks, Tim, for your work today too. Yep. Uh, if you want to go and uh, check out any of the articles we've done in the preseason, uh, you can go and do that at coachespanel.tv uh, as well as keep consuming all of the podcasts. Go back and recheck out the 50 most relevant. More podcasts, more articles, and more JLT game reviews dropping right throughout the week. And we can't wait to keep journeying with you in the preseason of 2019.